Welcome to another edition of the Network Better podcast with myself, Dave Harris, talking to Jeremy Marchant, who is the author of Network Better, a book that he has recently written and published about how to network better. And today in this podcast, we're going to talk a bit about the rules, which might seem a little bit odd when we're talking about networking, but yes, apparently there are some rules. So, Jeremy, what are the rules? Well, there are lots of rules, Dave, and um, I don't really like the word rules because it implies that you've got to do it, um, and you haven't got to do it. It's just that if you do it, you may find that your networking is more successful. So I like to call them principles. Most of the principles are not things I've invented. In fact, there's only one that I've invented. Everything else the listener will find fairly familiar. But let me just put my spin on it and put an emotional intelligence spin on it and relate it to networking in particular. So the first one, which I think I have invented because the one that I was taught in my NLP classes isn't right, if I may say so. So... This precept, this principle rather, this rule goes like this. The meaning of a communication is what the recipient makes of it. And that's really important. In one sense, it's obvious, although most people, most communicators don't take it into account. In other words, if I'm talking to you, which as it happens I am, and you're listening... I have no control of the message that ends up in your brain, in your mind, other than trying to explain it as clearly as I can. But ultimately, you're hearing the words and you are creating an interpretation of the message which suits you. Now, hopefully, it'll be uh, an objective interpretation, but for plenty of people listening to what you say they've put their own spin on it. So it's perception, in a sense. Yes, it is perception, but it's important to recognise that this perception may be unconscious. Like so many times in these podcasts, I have to keep making that caveat that often what's going on is unconscious, but that doesn't mean to say it's not going on just because you're not aware of it going on. And the fact you're not aware of it going on makes it more important that you have to be aware that it might be going on. I think this is a really, really interesting one, actually, and, 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 and it's immediately striking very loud bells in my head, this one, which, which I think is a good thing. Not just because of, you know, the world, as we know, of social media and politics and all that sort of thing, almost willful misconstruing of what people say and, and, and how they say it, taking it out of context, all those sorts of things which go on in the world of politics and the world of social media, that sometimes is very obvious and, you know, and, and I think that sometimes is conscious. But the business of communication being what the recipient makes of it is something that I come across a lot in my world as well. So, so I, as, as you know and listeners may know, I, I've produced podcasts like this one and, and videos and very often particularly with a new client who we're getting to know, they might have a very clear idea of what it is they think they want to produce in terms of content. And when you ask them why they want to do that, they'll often frame their answer, their why answer, around what they like, their prejudices, what they think the world needs to see of them via this video or hear of them via a podcast, whatever it is, rather than 
thinking, well, what about the viewer? What about your potential clients? What about the people that this is being made for? And it's amazing how often people don't think about that, even people who are in the world of marketing and who are professional communicators. They haven't really thought about the recipient. That is everything. What the recipient gets from it, their perception, it's everything. It's the whole point. And if you get that wrong, then you might as well not have done it, in my view. Sorry, I'm banging on a bit here, Jeremy. We're supposed to be listening to your wisdom, not my no, experience. It's absolutely, no, you're, you're, it's a very good example. You're in the business of facilitating your clients communicating with other people. Your clients want to communicate a message which, in your professional experience, you think is unlikely to be understood by as many people in the audience as, as possible. So they need, the client needs to think about how do I express my message in the clearest possible way? The, the point about this principle, though, is it's a bit deeper than that because if you are talking to your client about what you believe they should have in terms of a video or podcast product you're communicating a message you don't know precisely how your client has interpreted that because it's filtered through their own preconceptions misconceptions um and many other things which are going to potentially not potentially not invariably but potentially stop them from getting the full message so I'm not saying you're as crude as saying, okay, so what did I just say? And get them to tell you back what they heard. But the point is, if you were to ask them what they thought they heard from you, they're going to communicate a message to you, which you're going to interpret through all your misconceptions and preconceptions and all the rest of it. So you're not going to get a clear message from them either. So... The problem is, and this is a profound problem in communication, is that you actually don't know and and there is no way of you finding out what the client really got from your message. As I say, the only way you can really define the meaning, therefore, of what you say is what the other person made of it. The problem with other versions of this principle is that, as in NLP, the NLP version goes, the meaning of a communication is the response that you get. Well, that deliberately well, maybe unintentionally ignores the fact that the response you get is going to be filtered by your own preconceptions and misconceptions, so it can't be right. If you are talking, for, if you've got two minutes to talk about your business to a group of people in a networking event who you don't know, apart from all the other things that you need to bear in mind, you have to bear in mind that the people around the room are not all of them going to get the precise message that you think they're going to get, however articulately you express it. One thing that suddenly sprang into my mind is, is uh, a business networking group that you and I are both members of. Am I allowed to say the name? NRG. A uh, bit of advertising there. One of the things I really enjoy uh, that sometimes happens in that group is after you've kind of gone round and had your, your minute to tell people what you do around the table, the chair, the facilitator, will sometimes say, right, so what did you understand by what... Joe said what did you understand by what Sharon said what did you understand by what Martin said and so on and we have to sort of say it back so first of all it makes sure we list we were listening hopefully but perhaps more importantly than that it it's very it can be very instructive to you to hear what people think you just said because often it isn't quite what you thought you'd said 
and I think that is a great example of what we're talking about here. Yes, and indeed, if, if uh, the chair asks 10 people what they thought they heard when, when you, Dave, said something, it's not just that they will give a different answer from what you thought they were going to get, it's the fact that between them they have different answers as well. So the, the moral of the story there is you have to repeat. You, you have to have one-to-ones, because... In one-to-ones, misconceptions can be cleared up. Yeah, and you're never going to get it right in a minute, are you? I mean, you can do a good job, hopefully, but it's never going to be perfect. So what you need to do in a minute is to say something that is so intriguing that the other person can't, n- can't not ask you to find out more, which is where stories come in, as we've discussed earlier, because... Stories allow people to empathise with the subject of the story and stories are a very good way of communicating incompletely because it's unlikely that you're going to tell the story absolutely completely unless you've got several hours to do it. So it, by intelligent choice of the things you don't say, you pique the interest of the other person. And, and I'm sure you, you'll know better than I, I do that you know, the example of the of the technical problem with the communication that's told in the story of, uh, you know, send reinforcements we're going to advance, which comes from the front line in in some apocryphal war or other. And uh, I say apocryphal because I've never actually been able to trace where this story actually comes from. And then and the message that gets to Whitehall or, or, or to the Ministry of Defence is send three reinforcements we're going to advance. Perhaps that's a slightly silly example, but it makes the point quite well that you do have to be very careful what you say because it's so easy for it to be misinterpreted and my point with this principle is that you won't know that it's been misinterpreted because if you get them to tell you what they thought they heard you're going to get a version that is modified by your own filters and misconceptions and preconceptions this is a rule that we could discuss for the whole podcast because it's a very interesting thing but for today we're going to cover a few of the other rules as well. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm forcing you to move on here. You, you perhaps have more to say there, but uh, but there's quite a few of these rules, and they're very, and some of them are very interesting. So, would you like to give us one or two other examples? Yes, and, and I really like the way that you picked up from my non-verbal communication that I still wanted to talk about that subject, um, even if you weren't aware. Did, were you aware that you picked it up? Yeah, I was, and, okay. I'm, and I'm looking at the clock, and you're okay. not. You see, that's okay. the difference, I think. Okay. Um, so here's one. This is definitely one that, that's quite well known, but it's still worth emphasizing which goes there is no failure only feedback in other words you may fail to achieve something but you will get something from that you'll be able to learn how to do it better i think the the problem that a lot of people have is fear of failure we've discussed this on other occasions i I like the um expression this was actually taught to me by my Russian master at school so I just wanted to show off that I did Russian at school Um, this guy Mr O'Hara he liked the witch's advice to Macbeth in act four which is be bloody bold and resolute and actually this is what we're talking about when people resist trying something because they think they might fail you know it's like that is it Nike their slogan just just get on with it just do it whatever arguably sometimes you can dwell on all of these issues and concerns that people have for not doing something a little too often and and a little too indulgently actually take the view that you're going to learn 
whatever happens. If, you, if it's success, learn what made it a success and make it even more of a success the next time you do it. If it wasn't a success for any reason, find out why. Do it differently next time. Although you might want to ask the question, in what sense wasn't it a success? Because if your expectations were inappropriate or foolish or too great, then maybe it's not how you did it. It's what you expected to get out of it that was the problem which you need to address next time. Whatever it is, no failure, only feedback. And if I could just comment on that, because I I think that's a very good principle by which to approach this. But it has to be said that uh, many of us running small businesses, particularly if we're relatively new to it, often take feedback, particularly if it is critical or what we perceive as critical, negatively critical, that is. When people might be just trying to help us, but we might take it personally. So in other words, I think there is a danger, and I, th- I would absolutely hold my hand up to doing this myself at times, where you, you, you sort of, you're very sensitive to criticism and you're because probably you're new and you're not confident and that sort of thing and and so when you get that feedback saying oh well you know nice try but didn't really work or or, you know so on and so forth you know that can it can affect your confidence so that that so you've got to learn to deal with it in a in a positive manner i suppose is what i'm saying yes I think you said something in one of the other podcasts and I, I felt obliged to say, well, that's just a belief. And I think what you've just said is just a belief. It's not necessarily true. If somebody takes criticism personally, then they're probably right to. I mean, it's, it's criticism of them. So what they, they shouldn't try and avoid it. The issue is working on why they feel so sensitive to the criticism as they experience it because it it might not have been delivered as criticism that might come under the heading of the meaning of a message is what the recipient makes of it the 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 the, the speaker wasn't necessarily intending to be critical at all but the the listener felt very criticized i think it's one of these ones for deal just deal with it um you know yes work work on your resilience understand that when people say things it's their stuff not your stuff because there's another issue here as well, isn't there, that's very closely connected with this, I think, which is this issue of, uh, you know, wanting to appear perfect. Again, I would argue probably more so with new businesses, people who are new to the networking scene, they kind of feel they have to be the very, very best version of themselves they can be. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be to do well at what we want to do. But again, it comes back to the fear of shame, the shame of of showing yourself up in public or not being the best version of yourself not being that perfect you know experienced you know person that you are trying to project because you're new to it or because you know you've just not done that much of it so i suppose it's all tied up with that isn't it and yes i'm absolutely certain it's a belief uh you know and, and there's ways of doing it so i totally accept that but you've got to deal with it you? you have got to deal with it and as i say the, f- the first thing is to recognize that when somebody says something to you which you uh, take offense to it is their stuff it's their stuff unfortunately there's a flip side to that which is actually it's your stuff as well because you allowed them to press your buttons and that's the issue is actually finding it we were talking earlier about um insight and finding out about your emotions and so forth and being able to assess them that's a really good example this is a really good example of that you need to work out if you're upset by something that somebody says what it is in you that made you upset never mind what it is in them that they said what is it in you what 
sore point? What perceived weakness do you have? Is it something that reminds you of something that happened in the past? Probably. You know, if you're the sort of person that's worked in uh, as an employee for many years and has now got their own business, um, you know, what are all the things that happened, upsets and so forth that happened in the past, which you didn't really deal with then, which have now come to bite your ankles? If you're very young and by very young I mean under 25 then you just perhaps need to understand that this is part of the maturation process and you just got to go through it but essentially it's around being able to handle criticism and take what you can from it even if it's meant harshly or unkindly it's still going to be potentially useful okay let's move on from from that one just again because i'm conscious we don't have a huge amount of time in the podcast and there are lots of these rules we could talk about so give us your next uh, your next most important one okay well here's here's something which i, I don't know i mean you, you you could even say it's sanctimonious it's not meant to be sanctimonious but um you could say it's so bleeding obvious that why bother to state it yet i, I suspect that not following this precept this principle is the cause of a lot of less than perfect experiences in networking events which is simply seek to understand the other person in other words if you want to develop a relationship with somebody in the business world whether it's simply starting a conversation at a networking event with somebody you've never met before or whether it's having a third one-to-one with somebody you're already getting on with well or if it's a client or a potential client, all these people, the more that you understand what's going on for them, the more successful your relationship will be. It might even encourage them to find out more about you, but certainly the opposite is obvious, which is the less you understand about somebody, the less likely you are to provide a a good service to them uh, or or work well with them in a networking context. So it's, it's simply be curious about them, ask them questions about them, you know. I don't mind the question why. Some people object to it, but I think it's a very good question to ask. I know I've worked with people who are perhaps part of a larger organization so i'm you know i'm a supplier to them mm. and you find them for whatever reason after an initial sort of honeymoon period you find the relationship is can become more difficult you know and and you sort of think gosh they're, they're being quite awkward or they're being you know they're being they're, they're making unreasonable demands but when you dig a little deeper and you seek to understand them exactly what you just said you find that they themselves are under pressure from above, you know, from in their organisation. And they are having to deal with stuff which is not reasonable or, or, or is not on the face of it reasonable. And by understanding that, you can help them with that. You find you can say, OK, right, I understand what you're going through there, so let's talk about that, let's see how we can deal with that. And you can really, you know, and you can develop a really interesting partnership. Mm. So there's all sorts of advantages to doing that. And you can turn what can, on the face of it, be a very awkward relationship into a very productive one, I think. Yes, I agree. I, I think you can surprise yourself with just how valuable it is if, if you make just a small effort to find out what it's like for the other person. Uh, there's this this phrase of seeing the world in the other person's shoes. And there's a difference between you seeing the world in their shoes and you seeing the world as they see the world in their shoes. Now, give me a moment to process that one, actually. Yeah, OK. So set your intention not only to see the world from their shoes, but also to see it as they do from their shoes. 
ultimately all communication is improved when it's about the other person. I think we've got time for one more. Choose your final rule, Jeremy, and let's talk about it. Well, we've been talking about communication quite a lot, um, and um, I'm going to do one which isn't in the book, actually. I don't know why I forgot it, but um, this is a bit of a, a brain twister as well, but it's, it's worth pursuing, which goes, all perception is projection. OK, you're going to have to explain that one. Great. It's not mine. It was uh, said, written by a philosopher called Adorno. What he means by this is that if I'm talking to you and getting a response from you, then we talked earlier about it being filtered by me. That's one level. But let's let's suppose, and this is again, so we've been we've been continually relating what we're talking about to politics, and I'm going to do it again. You know, if if we look at two politicians and one politician is criticising another for being venal, weak and stupid. That's just imaginary, obviously, because we don't we know that no politician is venal, weak or stupid. Um, it's worth considering the extent to which... So if A is accusing B of that, it's worth thinking about the extent to which A perceives themselves to be weak, venal and stupid, but because these are so negative, represses that judgment of themselves and therefore looks for it in other people so they can judge other people for being that. So that's what the projection means. In other words, we have beliefs about ourselves which we find distasteful, so we suppress them, but then find them in other people, funnily enough allowing us to judge them instead of judging ourselves however i've spoken rather negatively about projection which is a a phenomenon which pretty much every psychologist would uh, accept exists so let me talk about it briefly positively so supposing we fall in love with somebody what's happening there is that we are seeing in the other person the positive aspects of ourselves which we might for whatever reason have suppressed previously and we now see them showing up in that person and it's a very wonderful experience often and as we showed in when we did the stages of business relationship podcast once you fall in in love with somebody and you're in the honeymoon stage the next stage is power struggle stage where each person is fighting to have their needs met in the relationship. But what's actually going on there is it's projection again, because now each individual is seeing all the bad things about themselves projected into their partner. So all perception is projection, bringing and dragging it back to the, the networking experience, is that when we work with people in a networking event whom we, whom we don't know very well, because we can't have one-to-ones with everybody, not least because they don't want to have them, We have to be really careful about whether we are judging in somebody else something which isn't really there or isn't there to the extent that we think it's there because actually it's something in ourselves. Jeremy, thank you. That was very interesting. All perception is projection is going to be going around in my head for the next four or five days i'm sure as i come to terms with that but it's certainly very very interesting as are all the other rules we've discussed today Uh, so i hope you've enjoyed this podcast and uh, jeremy and i will be back soon thank you thank you